Welcome to the Chiropractic Revolution podcast. The Chiropractic Revolution is a Christ-centered movement empowering chiropractors to live out God, family, and chiropractic. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. These podcasts are going to be a collection of our ambassadors and our amazing community. Join the revolution and let's change the world together. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Chiropractic Revolution podcast. Today's recording is actually from Dr. Pete Camiolo, which was his speech live at the past Chiropractic Revolution event in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. A reminder for all ambassadors, future ambassadors, and team members. The next event is in Minneapolis, September 22nd and 23rd. We cannot wait to see you at the next chiropractic revolution event. Now, let's get to Dr. Pete's speech. One of our exclusive sponsors of the chiropractic revolution is Grow Your Chiro Practice. And if you're a chiropractor and you want to know how you can get more quality patients on autopilot, then you definitely want to contact Sebastian and his team at Grow Your Cairo Practice. You can learn more on how they can help or request a free audit on your online marketing from their website at growyourchiropractice.com. Again, that's growyourchiropractice.com. We want to thank them so much for being a sponsor of the Chiropractic Revolution podcast. Oh, that's a bless. Me, I know it's blessed. Michael, I'm sure it's blessed. May have you in this room. But uh, you're about to hear and hopefully uh, receive from a very special person. So please welcome Dr. B. Camilo. What's up, brother? Hey, good to you, buddy. Can I take that? You can, yes, sir. I'll, I'll use it just um, so good to be here. Um, so grateful for this room and grateful to be in this time and... Um, just let everybody look up. Count how many fire extinguishers you can count. Please, somebody count. Just real quick, give me some numbers. What was the number? 44. There's a lot of fire extinguishers in this room. I know they're called sprinklers. I get that. But their purpose is to what? Put out the fire. Put out the fire. So I'm going to start with the end in mind. What are the fire extinguishers in your life that are putting out the fire? What are the sprinklers in your life that are putting out the fire? When we leave here, this weekend, we've all been filled, overflow, pressed down, shaken together. 
It's good. So what else does Cameo? Nothing. But the Lord has so much more. But I was, this morning I was just looking in my hotel room. I'm like, oh my, they're everywhere. And the world and the culture that we live in is designed to keep you safe and protect you from the fire. But that's not God's way. Mark 9, 49 and 50 says this. Jesus says to the disciples, to Pete Camiolo and Ben Rawl and Big Jim and Terry Harmon and everybody else, he says, for everyone will be tested with fire. That is the only line in verse 49. For everyone will be tested with fire. We just moved into an amazing home that should, there's no reason why my, my wife and Mary, Mary and I and our kids should be in that home. There's no reason why. It's, it was, it is the Lord. The day we bought the house was closing the house was March 1st. It was a big windstorm that came across Tennessee. And first day as a homeowner again, and three trees fall in my yard. <laughs> Welcome to homeownership, right? Mary's been praying. We've been praying. How do we turn boys into men? And the first day on the, in the house. Three trees, we got to clear. I'll teach you how to become a man. So we went and got chainsaw. Had to buy a wheelbarrow. Had to buy loppers and all the things. And we went out and we worked all day long. That's how fast God responds to. There was a need. There was a request, there was a prayer. And immediately in that moment, God answered that prayer. So we take the wood and we make a bonfire in the back. And I'm telling you, like, we had flames that were like, I mean, higher than like 10, 12, 14 feet. So I don't know if you've been near fires that big in a, in a minute, but like the heat that coming off of there is like, so, you know, the dad with the, with the kids and everybody's having fun, right? Because that's a big part. Like, oh, throwing stuff and, you know. And I'm not going to say my biggest strength is safety. Uh, you know, so I got to watch it with these boys kind of thing. You don't know if somebody's going to trip over or I got somebody to push somebody. And so, like, it's like, hey, steer clear of the fire. Be careful around the fire. The fire will burn you. Our whole existence, our whole lives, we've learned the fire. Be careful. Stay away from the fire. Put your hand near the stove. It's hot. Pull your hand back. 
And yet, Jesus says to each one of us, you will be tested by fire. All. The theme of the word is A-L-L. I heard from my, my brother said that. And I've heard, I've that was my word for the weekend is the word all. Terry just shared all things work together. All. All. Surrender how much? All. And when I was probably 10 years old, we were playing football in the backyard. Back in the day, we had one of those uh, Weber uh, charcoal grills. So it's like the round black grill with the, so you pile the charcoals in there and you light the thing, right? And then it comes to a point where when you light the charcoal, you don't see flames. You know what I'm saying? But that thing is kicking heat, kicking it. And so we were playing football and I go back to catch a pass and I catch the pass. And I mean, I wasn't, but I went like this and I caught the ball and I was, and my arm went over the fire. And so I come out of that, just catch and I'm getting ready to throw the ball. And I, and I go to throw the ball and dude, my arm, I had hair, like my skin was like falling off my arm. And it took a second for like the pain to kick in. But it didn't take long once I saw it. And man, that thing burned. And I got a second degree burn from a fire that I didn't even see. And thankfully, my parents responded quickly. Immediately, my arm is in a bowl of ice and ice water and my arm healed and I'm good. A fire will burn you. So why is our God an all-consuming fire? And why will all be tested by fire? So the Lord is so good. The next line in in that chapter, Mark 9, 49 and 50, the very next words that Jesus says, and, and my brother Terry just hit on it, which is amazing. It says, salt is good for seasoning. Now, if you come to my house and you eat at my table and I prepare the meal, it's going to be salty. And Mary ain't a big fan of Pete's seasoning kind of thing. So doesn't go so well. I apparently make things too salty. So I got an issue with salt. I don't know about any of you, like what's the, you know, it's like the temperature in the house. What's the right temp? You know, like when you're sleeping at night, what should it be? Daytime, what should it be? You know, I'm always been real picky about temperature. If it's one degree off, I'm like something's off right now. Who? You know, 
at the office, it's like one degree. I'm like, ah, uh-huh. nope. I'm subluxated now. That's not going to work. Too much salt. But I love salt. I like things that are salty. And now reading God's word, I feel justified and edified a bit. But it says this, because I never, I didn't understand this at all. And I felt Holy Spirit reveal this to me. Jesus says salt is good for seasoning, which I agree with. So Jesus, yeah, got you. I'm in full agreement. But then it says, but if it loses its flavor, now I'm starting to question, not sure what that means. How do you make it salty again? I'm like, well, I don't, like, do you even care? Just get more salt kind of thing. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, if it loses its flavor, I'm thinking, I don't know, what what do you guys got in your mind right now? Like pink Himalayan salt? What do you guys got? Like the larger, like you keep it in on the counter of the thing. You could just go like this and put it, you guys got shit grinders. What kind of salt? You know what I'm saying? Everybody's got this thing of salt in their mind. If it, if I put salt on my th- whatever, my chicken, and it's it's not salty, I'm like, who, wh- where do we get this salt? Dude, this ain't salt. It's nothing. You know? And you know, I put some salt in it. Like, you didn't put enough salt. Because that's bland, man. But what I love about salt is it pulls all the good flavor out. So that's why I tell if I didn't make the meal, I said, listen, I want to taste the meal you made. And I'll tell you what, I'll taste more of the meal when you put salt on because salt extracts, it pulls out the flavor. You just got to get the saltiness right. I get that. But what does it mean when salt loses saltiness? And Jesus says, How do you make it salt again? He said, you must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with with each other. But here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. He said, Jesus was speaking metaphorically to people. And he was speaking specifically to the disciples who were questioning the fact that other people that weren't in their group were doing works using Jesus's name and they were up in arms about it because they were like, these guys aren't with us yet. They're doing works in your name and they're healing people and all this. And Jesus rebukes them for their ungodly beliefs and judging people. And then he talks about if your eye gives you trouble, better for you to lose an eye than spend the light your eternity in hell if your arm causes you to sin you know cut your arm off if your leg causes you to cut your leg off better for you to enter heaven paradise with one left leg or arm or eye than to spend eternity in hell and then he goes on to say this so I felt first thing is what causes us to lose saltiness? And I tell you, the first thing that the Lord really brought to my mind is sin. Sin. 
that God loves me and his love for me and his kindness actually brings me, draws me into this place where I actually am compelled to repent. But I've been in places in conversations with, let's say, for example, my wife, maybe you can relate with me, where I'm being told I did something wrong and I cannot come to that. My brain literally, I'm like, I don't see it that way. And I, I have, I, like, I cannot repent for something that I cannot wrap my mind around. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like, that struggle is real. When he says, my loving kindness brings you to a place where you repent. Some, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I repent, I repent. But you know what? More often than not, I'm like, no, I wasn't wrong. You were wrong, actually. And this whole conversation is wrong. So you repent to me for even calling this meeting, so to speak. I'm like, bro, you are so stubborn and prideful. Pete Camiola, dude, unbelievable. Guy is like stubborn. Why don't you get over yourself and repent? It's hard. But you know what? That's fire. In that moment, when I start to boil, I'm like, what the? You know, deep down, you're like, I got it. I got it. I'm calm, cool, collected. I can see a lot of people, full hot seats, no problemo. I'm good. But then you're like, you were wrong. And it sounds like, heck, no. And I'm like, I'm going to flip this freaking table. You, this, you like this team? That's the first thing. You want to get your salt, saltiness back. I'll tell you something right now. Some of us have lost our seed. I'm telling you something right now. You might need to get some saltiness back. And potentially step one might be, at least it is for me. Dude, you better repent. You better tell your boys that you have not been as vigilant with them as you need to be with their technology or with the way that they talk to their mother or their brother or they don't really protect their sister. Because my wife always reminds me of those things. And I sometimes am a passive piece of you-know-what. And I'm like, I can't be bothered by that. Again and again and again. How many times do I have to do this? It's like Jesus to Peter. How many times do I got to forgive my brother? How many times do I got to love my children and tell them that I love them, but also correct them and remind them and lead them? It's hard. It's fire. Matt sharing yesterday, that was so vivid for me about the mathematics with the dang denominator. I'm like, oh my God. 
I know that feeling. Fire. But what have we been trained to do? Stay away from the fire. Avoid the fight. And now we got extinguishers everywhere in case there is a fire. So we put the fire out. If it loses its flavor, if Ben Rawl loses his flavor, it's his flavor of salt. How does he get salty again? Dr. Harmon just talked about it. So the, the thing that the Lord revealed to me was just the word fire. First, fire, F, is forgiveness. Receiving forgiveness for your sin requires a first act on your part, on my part, to repent. That's how we get our saltiness back, is number one, forgiveness. And, and I have to forgive you if I feel that you've offended me. And a lot of us are like, no, we're, you're good. You're good. I'm fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know, my parents, I, I, I forgive them. I forgive them. But deep down, actually, have I really forgiven? I I is once we've forgiven and we receive forgiveness from Papa and from my brother and neighbor, I then get to enter into a place of intimacy. And it's from intimacy and in the state of intimacy that I gain my identity. The word I really like in the scripture is the word seasoning. Because if you cut out the I-N-G, it's season. And as we go through our lives, we go through seasons in, in our career. Seasons of parenting when the kids were nursing. And then there was a season when they went to preschool for the first time two days a week. We did the Mama's Day out. And then they went to kindergarten. And there are seasons in our career when I first launched the business and then I started to build it. I started getting patience like Dr. Dennis was talking about. And I firmly believe that to get the seasoning back for the season that God has for you to move forward into, as Dr. Harmon just said, what was salt? The salt that we put on the meat two years ago is different than the salt to season the meat to debt. But the source of the saltiness, the place where we get salty, is the same. Yeah, yeah. So forgiveness, receiving, requires me to repent first. I receive forgiveness, and then I am, from that place of being forgiving, love and kindness fills up me. I can forgive others. But I can forgive you from a place of love and kindness because I've received it. 
It says, his love and kindness draws me in. I repent. I receive forgiveness. I now am empowered to forgive from a place of love and kindness, which is what I received. From that place of love and kindness, I, I move into a, a measure of intimacy. And from the intimacy that I have with Jesus and Father God and Holy Spirit, I receive my new identity or true identity. And the identity for this season And I begin to get the salt, saltiness coming. But it doesn't stop there. The R in fire is for relationship. And what being in an intimacy, an intimate relationship does is it leads to refinement. Intimacy and identity, relationship and refinement. In any relationship, if you truly are in the relationship, it's refining. And it's in the relationship and the refinement that I'm beginning to get the saltiness back the Lord has just he said Pete because I asked how long do we have to stay in the fight and his answer is so simple as long as it takes and actually he revealed to me in my reading of the Bible in a year this year which I'm reading now in Deuteronomy 5 he revealed to me, and I'll, I'll read it in a moment, that actually, what would it mean if I abided in the fire? What would it mean if I lived a lifestyle in the center of the fire? What would that mean? What would that look like? Listen to this, Deuteronomy. Not my normal Scripture reading. He says, The Lord spoke these words to all of you assembled here at the foot of the mountain. The mountain of the Lord. He spoke with a loud voice from, check it, the heart of the fire. The heart of the fire. Surrounded by clouds and deep darkness, this was all he said at that time. And he wrote his words on two stone tablets and gave them to me. But when you heard the voice from the heart of the darkness while the mountain was blazing with fire, all your tribal leaders and elders came to me. They said, look, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness and we have heard his voice 
from the heart of the fire. Today we have seen that God can speak to us humans and yet we live. But now it says, why should we risk death? If the Lord our God speak to us again, we will certainly die and be consumed by this awesome fire. Can any living thing hear the voice of the living God from the heart of the fire as we did and yet survive? Go yourself and listen to the Lord our God. Then come and tell us everything he tells you and we will listen and obey. The Lord heard the request you made to me and he said, I have heard what the people said. And they are right. Oh, that they would always have hearts like this. A heart of awe and wonder and honor and reverence. And then he said that they might fear me and obey all my, all my commands. A-L-L. If they did, if they and their descendants, listen, would prosper forever. But you stand here with me so I can give you all my commands, decrees, and regulations. You must teach them to the people so they can obey them in the land I am giving them as their possession. So Moses told the people, you must be careful to obey all the commands the Lord your God, of the Lord your God, following his instructions in every detail. Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow, then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you are about to fire, e, enter, and occupy. Enter and occupy, e, fire. God has created us in his image and likeness he has put us in this time for such a time as this to enter and occupy the land to bring the salt of heaven, the flavor of heaven, to season it on the earth, to make the earth as it is in heaven. Enter your home. Enter your marriage. Enter parenting. Enter your office. Enter and occupy Enter the season that God has called you into now and next and ultimately and in every transition in every season, fire. And it, I believe if we would have a lifestyle of abiding in the heart of the fire, it says that's where his voice is in the heart of the fire. And you know what we're desperate for? To hear our Father's voice speak to us personally. 
How is it possible that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fire that was heated up like seven times more than normal? The guy throwing them in died. I was telling my boys this story when we were making the fire. I was like, the guys that were thrown in the fire were good. But the guys throwing them in the fire died and thrown them in the fire. Because in the fire, when you're with the Lord, you don't get burned. Actually, you fellowship, you commune. And those that observe, such as the king in that time, their heart turns towards the Lord. And God used their journey in the fire in his attempt to kill them to actually turn the heart of the pagan king towards the Lord. So why would we want to escape the fire? Why do we want to get out away from the fire? Why do we want to numb ourselves? In 2001, on September the 11th, we know what happened that day. I was in New Jersey at the time, living in New Jersey, and I remember I could see the buildings burning from where I was. And at that time, I was doing some church ministry I had an opportunity to go into the city and serve meals to the firefighters that were trying to clear the rubble. And I also had an opportunity to play some music at some services. And I played a song that Bruce Springsteen wrote after 9-11. It's called Into the Fire. I'm not going to sing it for you now. You might listen to it later. But I wanted to share just some of the words from this Bruce Springsteen song. Now, I'm not saying this is a prophetic word from the Lord, but I'm saying God speaks through these things. And I felt strongly that was 22 years ago. I was leading worship services, singing this song, while there were people in the service who lost children in the collapse. And I, I remember singing this, getting choked up every time I would sing this at some sort of a memorial service or whatever it was. And it says, the sky was falling and streaked with blood. Listen, I heard you calling me. Then you disappeared into the dust. Up the stairs. Into the fire. Yeah, up the stairs, into the fire. I need your kiss, but love and duty, I won't make it through it. Love and duty called you someplace higher, somewhere up the stairs, into the fire. And then that's the refrain, it says, May your strength give us strength. May your faith give us faith. May your hope give us hope. May your love give us love. And it's just an anthem over and over. When I was reading this, it's easy to think about the men and women who ran up the stairs into the Tower 2 to try to get people out. 
it's going to be easy to think about some of those people clearly or the people that were just going about going to work that day. But specifically the people that ran into the fire, what would it take? I thought about that for me to actually make a decision consciously to run into the building to try to rescue someone. What kind of a person does that? What kind of a person would run into the building on fire? Who would do that? And it says it right here when it says, I heard you calling me. Then you disappeared into the dust. It's a person who says, my life is not my own. And unless I die, then I never will actually truly live. If I don't go into the fire and I don't die and disappear into the dust, then I'm going to potentially live a life never running into the fire, going through the seasons of my life without any seasoning when you go ahead and put it on the chicken. And then I thought, man, that's the Lord saying to me, saying to the Lord, Lord, may your strength give us strength. Lord, may your faith give us faith. Give me faith. Lord, may your hope give me hope. Lord, may your love give me love. Up the stairs, into the fire. Love you guys.